This podcast is brought to you by Balls of the E in association with Carry Out Off Licence, Ireland's number one independent off licence. Very welcome to the Ben Pope Rugby World Cup show on Balls of the E. With thanks to Carry Out Off Licence, I'm Mick McCarthy, joined back in studio by Brent again. Brent, yep, it's a big week for you. <laughs> this is we talked about this at the start of the World Cup. This is you know you come over here in '91, was it from yep. from New Zealand? We played New Zealand in the '95 World Cup. Yep. It's the only time they played a very different Irish uh, rugby situation back then. But now we played them in a World Cup quarter final. It's mm. arguably the biggest game in Irish rugby history. We've never we've only ever got to a quarter final, and we've never played. A, st- a, big, a team as big as the All Blacks. It could be Joe Schmidt's last game, so on, so forth. This is as big as it gets. And for you, a New Zealander who's been living here for, mm. you know, coming up on 30 <laughs> years now, this just must be, taking the rugby out of it even, this must be just an amazing week for you, kind of building up to it. Yeah, I'm gutted I'm not there. Know. You know, I, I, like, I mean, I come back from Japan, they've done such a fantastic job of it, as I said, I talked before about the fans, and now that Japan have led the way in playing style and they're in the quarterfinal, you know, Tokyo will just come alive for the supports. You know, where am I with it? Are people asking on the street, you know, I'm emotionally stretched either way. Um, I don't have a I don't have a problem with who wins in the weekend. I you know, if it came to a World Cup final and this was the final, even though it would be my dream kind of ticket, I would be a wee bit I'll be drawn then because do you because I would think that Irish people would think that you're a faker if you didn't go for the country you were born from because that's the way they would be. It wouldn't matter how many years somebody had been over in New Zealand, they would always support Ireland. So if it came to a World Cup final, I'm probably going to go with, look, you know, I'd like it to stay in New Zealand because that's the identity of our country. That's all we have in yeah. some regards, uh, kind of tourism and, and rugby. But at this early stage... You know, I'd be as I was in Chicago, I wasn't there Viva, I'd be just as happy for Ireland to win. And I mean that genuinely, I, I, I would be. And I think that whoever the bookmakers are putting New Zealand four to one favourites or whatever is ridiculous. Because if you look at the last, if you look at last three matches, Ireland have won two of them. If you go back to 2012, I think where the All Blacks walloped Ireland 60 points to nil or whatever in Hamilton, since that time, it's been nip and tuck. Mm, all the yeah. way and Ireland could have won more because remember the last minute uh, try that denied them that, that the match in what 2013 yeah. or whatever that could have been another scalp you're right it's different it's World Cup and I saw I was <laughs> I was unlucky enough to be in Cardiff when, when Ireland lost to France what in 2007 and went out of the corner final stage there was just dismay people were coming out as they this week to get their tickets for the quarter final semi final final yeah. like they are in Tokyo Suddenly to be out, you know, what do they do with the tickets? They're flying home. So there's a huge lot of expectation. And I've seen it on the faces of the of the New Zealanders this week. Steve Henson's been very kind of under the radar. Mm. A lot of the players are, are, are pumping up Ireland. Uh, it's, 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 a tense, it's a tense New Zealand-looking uh, team at the moment. Yeah. Tense. In the mindset, though, so you like you know when we're playing them in '95, and you're here a few yeah. years at that stage, and you're analysing that game, and there's probably a lot of there's probably platitudes going on, and Ireland scored yeah. the first try, and it's great. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there was for a long time Ireland versus New Zealand was just we have to play New Zealand. Yeah. It's like you know, it's like we were never going to do it. The result yeah. wasn't in question. No, and that's been different maybe in the last ten years, and obviously in the last mm. four, you know, since 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 Chicago, it's changed completely. From a New Zealand mindset, right, I'm hearing a lot about, oh, you know, Ireland, we're worried about Ireland, they've beaten mm. us twice. And at the same time, you'll hear people say, well, you know, November internationals aren't the same as a no. World Cup. But from a New Zealand mindset, no, Ireland, mean, it's a very different prospect now, isn't it, having absolutely. beaten them? Absolutely. It's a very different prospect because psychologically, psychologically, on any given day, Ireland have the better record over the last couple of years. So... New Zealand kind of, the way New Zealand think is look Ireland have our number Japan didn't have their number Scotland didn't have their number so I thought New Zealand realist, realistically thought like a lot of us that it would be in New Zealand Scotland Ireland South African uh, yeah, that Ireland yeah, would yeah. win that group which we all expected them to and they would play South Africa which was 
a 50-50 game, but after New Zealand beat them on the first opening weekend, that's what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, before we played a game, yeah, we kind of knew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even even looking even looking at from the outside last week, I I had the feeling that Scotland would beat Japan, and and possibly go through. And I think that that was the draw that New Zealand wanted because they know they have the hex over Scotland. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have had a night's sleepless night over Scotland. They wouldn't have. That I thought they'd never beaten us in any way, shape, or form, and they're not going to now in a World Cup. Yeah, That psyche changed the, the, the minute they knew they were playing Ireland. New Zealand have been understandably a bit nervous, and they're starting to roll out things like, well, we don't know how missing the games or not giving players like Brodie Ritalik a chance. We don't know how that's going to affect us yet. Um, you know, we're worried about Ireland's ability to maybe have our number. Uh, they've been tense in the, in the press reviews. Hanson hasn't been quite as sort of buoyantly sort of, oh, we just can't wait to get the game. They're very tentative. And they're tentative for a number of reasons, and they've a good they've a good reason to be, because I do think that Ireland do have their number, and I do think we are still waiting for that. Now, whether it's a false dawn or not, we'll know on Saturday night. But we are still waiting for that one performance that Ireland have the ability to pull pull out, whether it's Chicago, whether it's the Aviva, whether it's the Six Nations or whatever, they have that ability to pull out that one match, as proved in against Australia in previous World Cups and others, when they're not expected to win, that's when they'll win. And yeah. I have a gut, look, I have a gut feeling, I have a gut feeling Ireland are going to win this. I, I, there's just something in there that says, hold on, they play it right, they get mm. enough ball, they, they've got to do certain things. They've got to do certain things. They've got to dominate up front, which they can do. Uh, they've got to probably try to use the rush defence well. They've got to kick well. There's no good kicking to, to, to Bowden Barrett or whatever, or to Sevu Reese on the basis that you don't get it back because they're the types of players that you don't want to give the ball to, yeah. uh, Bowden Barrett especially. So Johnny Sexton has to be on mark as Connor Murray with their kicks. There's no good kicking just for the sake of it. But the kick... Past game has worked very well for Ireland to date. Johnny Sexton's one of the best in the world for it. New Zealand will be worried about that. And against that background, it's just something I'm going to write in on Friday, and I've been in contact with them. Against that background, I find it surprising that the Irish management at some stage, at some level, weren't on to Ronan O'Gara. It really shocks me. Yeah. Because I went to his training session with the Crusaders last year when I was back home at Christmas time. Ronan generously invited me to spend the day with the Crusaders in the camp. And he worked with all those young key players. Richard Moanga wasn't an all-black at that stage. Nor was Sevu Reese. Nor was George Bridge. And in the whole Crusaders networks, the likes of Kieran Reid, all these types of players. So my thoughts would have been someone get on the phone to, to Ronan and say, look, what's Severis like under a high ball? Are we wasting our time here? He could yeah. come back and say, look, he's brilliant under a high ball. He played fullback, you know, like George Bridge did. George Bridge is very good under the high ball. Severis is not so good because of his height. So you'd be, you'd be absolutely thinking that Jacob Stockdale will go up against Reese in the air and you'd set that up. But you'd like to know more information. You know, how does Moanga defend? You know, what does he like to defend? What, what, you know, what's his weaknesses? What's his strength? And, I, and it's somewhat surprising, and I think I got the impression that Ronan was kind of surprised that he didn't get a call. Yeah. You know, because, Why would you say he didn't? I don't know. It's, 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 it's an odd one. It's an odd one because, you know, Joe was talking about uh, the disappointment that Felix Jones had gone into this South African camp as an cat coach because he said, well, look, Felix knows our players and he'll be able to give secrets. Well, on that basis, yeah. why wouldn't you call the guy that's worked with these players for the last year every day, you know, and coach them to ring him and say, Ronan, what's, you know, if we were targeting Sevier Reese, what, what should we look for here? And Ronan would either say, look, don't target him. Because he's actually a Cheslin Colby type of player that you know, if he gets to if he gets to ground, he'll scorch you. Or mm. yeah, absolutely target him because he he he's not good under a high ball. Yeah. Now Joe may feel he knows that already, but it would be it would be it would be nice just to get another opinion from an Irish international who who Joe actually had on his camp a couple of years ago. Ronan went on tour with him as a coach. He's probably a name that will be thrown up in the future of Irish coaching. So ring yeah. the guy and say, look, what's George Bridge like? Is he fast? Is he is he a good defender? Is he a good spot tackler? Is he, you know, what type yeah. of defender? What were you he? trying to cover up when you were? Absolutely, yeah, we so all have yeah. that. 
We all have that. That goes back. That goes back. That kind of insider trading, if you want, it goes back years. It goes back to knowing. You know, it was always used to be the one you always used to pick up the program the night before a match, and you look down at the guy your opposition, and you think, oh God, like he's six five or whatever, and he's he's eighteen stone. Come to the game, he was only probably about six foot one <laughs> and about you know about fourteen stone. So everybody was all about that, but it's just a bit of a surprise. But you know, again, the ways to beat the All Blacks, it's not rocket science. It's just hard to do. Uh, so you've got to shut down their their system at the moment of playing. Effectively, even though Barrett wears fifteen, effectively playing two halves, yeah, uh, two two out halves or first fives in New Zealand on either side of the field. Sometimes Barrett steps in as the first receiver. Other times it's Moanga, especially from second phase play. Uh, that allows Barrett to still make the breaks and the yardage that he's getting. So you need to shut that down. Defensively, your line speed has got to be spot on. You've got to push up in the All Blacks' faces. Um, you've got to probably force them to kick a lot more than they used to and you've got to dominate the set play so you've got to move them up and down the field from scrum to line outs get into the corners try to maul them over uh, that's the way you beat them Hard, easier said than done because if your kicks are too long yeah and that's it and the way New Zealand do have a yeah. back tree that Absolutely. sit back as well, well so sit back counter attack counter attack counter attack's the most dangerous aspect that Ireland will face with this team because they haven't faced a team yet uh, even Japan, they haven't faced a team yet that will counter-attack like New Zealand. If you look at the tries they scored against South Africa, bang, bang. Two tries in, what, 13 minutes or something, game was over. New Zealand can do that to you. If you get in their faces and rattle them and step them out of their comfort zone, they don't like it. No team in the world does, but New Zealand especially don't like it because they they want to think that they can dominate the way they play. They want to think they can dictate the tempo of the game. If you take that tempo away from New Zealand... And I'd hate to be saying this because Japan have shown us the way in this World Cup to play the game. 15-man game full of skill and speed and passion and appreciation of space. Ireland have to play it completely the opposite way against New Zealand, meaning they've got to strangle New Zealand's ball, they've got to push up defensively, they've got to shut them down, they've got to play boring 10-man rugby. That's what it takes. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it won't be pretty. Yeah. But it might just be enough to win them the match. We were talking to Stephen Ferris on the Builder podcast, and you know, there's definitely two two ways to it to look at it. But Stephen was like, "I'd rather have the rest than the possibility of being undercooked." Yeah, yeah. So New Zealand haven't played a game in two weeks, but that wasn't a real game. They really haven't played since no. since South Africa, mm. which is a long time ago. Like, would you have worries if you're Steve Hansen? Yep that you're undercooked here against an Ireland team that actually have had to, because of circumstances, because of losing to Japan, have actually had to build themselves back up again. Really good point, because I'd I'd kind of, I would would tend to disagree with Stephen on that. You know, personally, personally, I think that most players prefer to have a a toughish run out the week before of a big match. I never saw any value in playing. And it's the same as if you look, it's the same as you've a look you know, if you if 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 you trot back to Ireland now against the run out against Italy, what did they learn? Only to come up against England then a couple of weeks later and get and get walloped. So I'm not saying you make those direct comparisons, but especially the Fords like to have game time under their belt. It's like going into a boxing match. And what, what do you say? Have you rather had a good? Have you rather had a good twelve round uh, punch out and come through it, say two or three weeks before, or? Would you rather come in fresh, having had no fight for six months? And I think, you know, I think New Zealand would have preferred to have a match last week. Now, it's a bit of a false excuse too, because how many of those players, how many first-line players would Hanson have picked for that game anyway? I suggest it's only players like Brody Retallick and that needed more game time games, from that. Yeah. Because if you look at the Irish setup for a start, Johnny Sexton hasn't had that many minutes rugby. What's he had... He's had 40, 50 minutes and 20 minutes. So he's only probably had one full match. But he built, he built up, I suppose. So he played the, yeah. He played 40, 40 yeah. minutes against Russia. He and then up. he played 50 or 60 yeah. against... Well, Robbie Henshaw. Yeah. Well, Henshaw's yeah. a big question, actually, yeah. from an Irish point he's of view. Because 
he didn't look he looked no. rusty. Oh, like he looked a, rusty. You know, and but that we could can't afford for him to be rusty this week. But that could affect New Zealand because yeah. they're coming at the same time. That, so they could be rusty. But then again, you look on the on the on the uh, the opposite side of the ledger. You look at a guy like CJ Stan. You think you know, is seven days enough? To, to, to bring his body back to, to, to full capacity. Hansen does talk about the GPS, uh, you know, these computer chips that they wear on their backs being off the charts for training, but <laughs> he knows that himself as a player, played with Steve, he knows that a player that you can't replicate game training and trainings. You can't because you stop things, you blow the whistle when there's a chance of injury, you know, you're, you're playing sometimes in sort of 10 minutes on and a few minutes off to discuss options and that. So it's not the same as a game. Yeah. You know. I just want to ask you one more question about the All Blacks and just your mm. own take on them um, before we kind of move back on to s- some more kind of Irish stuff. Just looking through the team here as somebody that would watch the All Blacks, mm. but, you know, more so in a World Cup and so on and so forth. And the names that jump off the screen for you are still Bowden Barrett, 28. Okay, that's still pretty young. But Aaron Smith, 30. Joe Moody, 31. Dan Coles, 32. Sam Whitelock, 31. And uh, Kieran Reid, 33, right? And we shouldn't forget that this team mm. won a World Cup four years ago. You know, some of them have even won two World Cups. Yeah. It's an unbelievable... Like, it's a, it's one of the greatest hmm. runs of... A, probably the greatest run of a rugby team of all time, right? Are the names below that, the guys who are becoming household names? Sevu Reese is probably already there. The Leonard Browns, the Moangas, the... Um, you know, Scott Barrett, I suppose, and the Surveyors, you know. Are they of that vintage when they take over as the kind of next no. generation? Is, is, is a simple answer. Okay. I don't think so. I, I think that... That's very interesting. Uh, well, I think that New Zealand rugby, like any rugby in, in, in the world, since rugby become professional, let's go back that far. Since rugby become professional, the gap has been closing every year because... Previous to that, it was kind of an amateur-based game in Ireland. In fact, Ireland brought kicking and screaming into the professional game. They didn't want it. Uh, so they've come a long way. Japan and these teams, you remember, it wasn't so long ago when New Zealand beat Japan 145-0. Well, that's not going to happen anymore. So the gap is closing because other countries have suddenly had the resources that New Zealand always had available to them mm. uh, before before it was professional. So... You know, New Zealand are struggling to compete with the player drain overseas. They're struggling to compete with the finances these players can be offered in Japan or in Europe. They're struggling even to compete with the types of physiques that England and that can come out with with bigger playing numbers. So that being said, I don't think this is I don't think this is a golden generation of 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 New Zealand players it, it coming in in into that situation. I think that you know. They've, they've yet to replace, well, he, I suppose a bit like Brian O'Driscoll, he's pretty much irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. They're yet to replace in many ways Dan Carter and Richie McCaw and these yeah. types of players. They're yet to replace them. And from generations before that, they're yet to replace guys like John Olamu and Christian Cullen and these types of players. I don't really see where the next... You make a good point, because I don't see, from this current crop, I don't see where the next great white hope is going to come from uh, in the sense of New Zealand rugby, I, I, I don't I don't see it. They, they they've struggled to come up with a they've struggled to come up with another number eight or a dynamic loose forward trio in four or five years, which is unusual in New Zealand because if you track back over their strongest position in world rugby has always been in the loose forward trio. It's going yeah. back to Zinzanbrook, Buck Shelford, Josh Cromfield, you know they've all made their names at World Cups, all of them, Richie mm. McCaw. This year, apart yeah. from Marty Sarveya, yeah. Kieran Reid has passed his best. Sure. No doubt about it. Looks it. like it. Yes, yeah. it looks like yeah. it. Can he get up for one game? Yes. But if it's a tight game and it's a game and it's a game that, that doesn't allow him to sort of get out and run freely in the loose and it's more contact, uh, he's gonna run out of steam. Uh, Sam Kane, efficient, proficient, but outstanding not really. Okay. You know, Matt Todd, I'm not taking anything away from Matt. He's he's a good player, but he's more kind of a Tane Randall type of player from years ago than a kind of a Josh Confield. So I think they struggle in certain areas. Um, that's not to say that New Zealand rugby doesn't deliver in any one domestic year a guy that comes onto the scene and people just say, wow. And I suppose Sever Reese has been a bit like that. Yeah. Uh, you would have said, but you would have said that was uh, I only last year and he won't make the team. 
Um, yeah. Again, so so the question the question boils down to: Do I think? Do I think these players are coming to the end of the? Well, the older players are coming to the end of their careers for the All Blacks. Yes. Do I think that New Zealand is more vulnerable than they have been in other World Cups over the last maybe two World Cups? The answer again is yes. Do I think they'll win the World Cup? I'm unsure yet mm-hmm. because I think that this is a major hurdle for them and I think that we may just be in for a bit of a shock. But then I look and say, would it be really that big a shock? You know, yeah. people on the street are saying to me, look, you know, we we it's a it's probably a sixty forty arm wrestle, sixty to New Zealand forty, but you take those odds if you're an Irish fan all day long. Great. Well, I suppose that that's where we're going. You're you're leaning towards Ireland would have been a, a surprise, yeah. you know, a surprise. And you know, like, is this the vintage New Zealand? No. Is possibly no. We don't know yet. Is mm. this the a, a, an Ireland team that are psychologically in an advantageous position? Except. This is kind of where I'm getting to is like against New Zealand, absolutely yes. And there's lots of benefits going yeah. for us, and there's lots of things there that we probably have never had the opportunity before to make it a genuine clash with New Zealand in a World Cup. However, there's still that ringing of a bell in my head that says Ireland aren't in good form. You no. know, we're not like no, it's, you're right. All of these you, things are set up for no, us. But well, set up. We set, lost absolutely, Japan. absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I don't think they're set up for a World Cup win. I'd have to say, I, you know, the way Ireland are playing, could they could they perform consistently and beat three top teams in the next three weeks? No, I don't believe so. So just to break some Irish fans' <laughs> hearts out there, while I think they could get over this and they would have they would have extreme self belief, suddenly they would become favourites then by by virtue of beating one yeah. of the favourites. So suddenly then they'd have to come looking for wins against maybe England or South Africa, a situation like that. They've been lucky with injury. They have been lucky with yeah, injury. Yeah, so far so good. So yeah. far you've got players coming back into fray rather than going out apart from Bundy Aki and, and, and Jack Conan. Uh, Jack Conan is probably the unluckiest in that regard because he yeah. didn't even get a, a, a chance for any minutes play. I just think that Ireland... You talk to everybody involved in sport, and I talk to a lot of GA players and stuff like that. There's just this psyche in Irish sport that says, when it can't be done, hey, that's when we're going to do it. Are they playing well? Not particularly. Uh, was Johnny Sexton and Conor Murray really tested against Samoa? I think we I think we glossed over a couple of wins, and I think if we were realistic about it, we would look and say, Scotland were poor. Scotland were poor that first game. Mm-hmm. So yes, Ireland did what they had to do and and they were impressive in what they had to do. And again, against Samoa, you know, it looked like Samoa, as Stephen Ferris would say, it looked like they'd been in the pub since the last game. You know, like Johnny Sexton didn't have to take it to the line once in that game. Yeah. Now, usually you'd think that, that Samoans would have targeted a player like that and said, look, let's get our big runners down Johnny Sexton's line. He he played he played a street smart game where whereby he was told by Joe Smith, keep out of the firing line, get your kicking game going again, get your relationship working with Connor again. Both of those things achieved. Is Johnny Sexton saw the player? The the question is this: Is this Irish team the same team that had real confidence going in to beat New Zealand because they come on the back of a of a Grand Slam title? They were playing well. They're at the height of their powers and 18 months ago or whatever like that. They were in a better place physically and they were probably in a better place psychologically. Now they're just in a situation where it says, hey, let's forget about everything else, including the Japan match. This is New Zealand. This is where we want to be. Mm. You know, we're not expected to win, by the way. We'd love to. And, you know, the country hopes, but we're not actually expected to. And... There's something about being able to hold your head up with pride if they go out and give it everything they've got. And if they do that, and New Zealand are a wee bit off key or start slowly, then, yes, a, 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 and it wouldn't be a shock, but a, an all-black defeat you know, is on. And that's the way most New Zealand... I've been talking all week to New Zealand media. I've been talking to friends out there in Japan that are out there, and they say, look... You know, we're really worried about this game. Yeah. We're really worried about it. They, most, and they mean it. And they mean it. And the most saying, look, it's a flip of a coin. And I said, ah, you know, and they said, it's a flip of a coin. You know, Ireland have won the last two matches and three. Yes, you're right. One of them was at home. One of them was Chicago, which was, which was, which was brilliant. But I think the New Zealanders just took their foot off. They were doing a lot of PR work and everything like that that week. They disrespected Ireland a wee bit. Um but then, if you look at the other matches, they've all been tight. There's not been much in it. Yeah. 
the first match that you mentioned, you know, in those four, if we were two all of the yeah. last four going back to 2013, was the, the Crotty try in the corner yeah, in, the last, in the Aviva, which broke our hearts at the time. Yeah, and Ireland should have won that as well. Yeah, we were never going to beat New Zealand. If you look at that, and then, you know, the week after, that was like a really, the week after Chicago, or two weeks after Chicago, whatever it was, back in the Aviva, which New Zealand won, that was an incredibly attritional, oh, yeah. weird, based game. weird game of rugby, actually. And it was like, yeah. New, New Zealand, Zealand didn't score a try, did they? No, I don't think so. Uh, and they, they came out like, you know, in a, in a way to get revenge <laughs> yeah. on Ireland, in, in a way to win the game. Yeah. Obviously, that was their plan and fair play to them. But, you know, there's arguments that maybe the referee didn't protect Ireland that day. And so, so Ireland have definitely lived with... Uh, the, the idea that they like if they perform at that level, they shouldn't be no. in any way overawed by no. The well, they won't feel the overawed. They won't feel overawed. They're actually looking forward to it. You can see it yeah. in the Irish players. So they've they're, they're, they're training well. Apparently, they've got some of their key members back. You know, you, Johnny Sexton. Johnny Sexton. To see Johnny Sexton last week bouncing around, big smile on his face, mm. clapping everybody else in the back. He's been a frustrated player for the last year and it's got to him psychologically. We've seen him, you know, bitching with players and bitching with the ref and stuff like that. Yeah. But what I saw last week was a player that's in good form and he's happy. He's delighted to be back. He's delighted to be playing some good rugby again and that goes through the whole team because Johnny Sexton is like their spiritual leader. Yeah. If he's happy, then they're happy. And rather than working against the team, it's going to work for the team. Uh, you know, so that's not to say that he'll last the whole game because if, if the game, if they need to chase the game, then Joe could bring on Joey Carberry, something who again not a bad option. came on. No, it's it, 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 it's it's good option. I don't think I don't think Ireland's cause has been helped by you know this kind of I suppose a slight media backlash from Ireland. First of all, about the Harker. That offended a lot of people in, in, in New Zealand, I know, talking to them about, you know, what was somebody from Ireland commenting on something that's part of culture. That didn't help. The other continuous continuous accusations that used to get Barry McCaw that New Zealand are cheats, uh, you, yeah, that, rolls out, that rolls out against New Zealand every four years mm. as if they're trying to influence the referee or whatever like that. You know, it, it, it seldom works. But it also grates. Where is it coming from, though? Because I don't think oh. it's, I don't think it's coming from within the Ireland camp or no, within, or within, within the, the Irish camp. rugby media no, either. No, no, like, no. It, it, it just comes from it comes from people that want to stir the pot. Yeah, and you know they come up with things. Well, look, you know, uh, referees have, been, uh, have come under a bit of criticism this World Cup, and, and some justifiably so, others not so. Uh, but you've got to have faith. You've got to remain faith in that the referee is ruling it to the letter of the law. And if I hear once more from people that never played the game at any discernible level, you know, Richie McCaw is a great player but a cheat, I turn around and say, hang on a minute, you know, did, did, did you know that he scored more in the... He would take the referees' exams, which he scored more than most of the international referees in. So he knew the laws inside and out. So when people out there would criticise and say, oh, yeah, look, he's coming on the wrong side, he would go back to the law book and tell the referee no. The new laws dictate there's no offside line at the moment, so I can come in the back door. Yeah. People would be screaming at the TV saying, oh, McCaw's a cheat. Look, he's offside. He wasn't a cheat. He just knew the laws and he played them un the same as a good boxer, the same as any good sport. You know the laws mm. and you and you stretch them to their absolute Yeah, that's limit. what I was saying. He stretched as well in that he'd know the way a referee was refereeing a game. But that's 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 up to a referee. It's not up to a but player. Absolutely. I do have a question about the referee, though, because Nigel Owens has, yeah. has been announced for the game, much yeah. to the kind of fanfare of Irish fans. But I think... Yeah. I have a question as to whether it suits, because basically what we know about Owens is very, very likeable referee, good communicator, mm. players like him. The Irish players will know him inside out because in yeah. all three phases of their game, from the Pro 14 to the Champions Cup to internationally, he's there. It's going to be his 20th Irish Test match, believe it or not. But... We have a very mixed record, and he's refereed three New Zealand games, three Ireland-New Zealand games, of which they've lost them all, which Ireland have lost them all. That's not unusual either. He, what we do know is he's a little bit more lax at the breakdown, certainly more than Angus yeah. Gardner, um, yeah. and he's, uh, you know, possibly has a little bit of a looser offside line than what we've yeah. seen from a lot of referees. So that might suit Peter O'Matney on the ground, you know, yeah. but overall, do you think that's better for New Zealand or for Ireland? Or does it not matter really? Well, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't, as we know. 
uh, it does become the referee show. You know, he, he, he in, in, some, in some regards, he's suddenly become bigger uh, than the game itself. And a lot of it is around the sound bites of, you know, uh, Nigel talking to players and mm. knowing their first names. And he's a great rapport with the players. I think where it's an advantage for both sides is, is that uh, he's consistent. Now, whether he's consistently bad or consistently good is another thing. But he is consistent. You're not going to get some referee that might pick on one aspect of, of a prop going down and continue to pick on them, which we've seen in a couple of sides here, and think, hold on, that guy's not the one dropping the scrum yeah. here. It's the other guy. And keep picking on the same team. So he's good like that. I'd agree with you in the sentiments that he probably favours he probably favours New Zealand slightly more at the breakdown for the way that they play, but then he probably favours Ireland slightly more defensively. So I think that's okay. a good read from you because I think that he does allow back lines to creep. And Ireland do it as well as everywhere, by the way. Yeah. You know, it's all very well saying, oh, these other teams and that defence. If you look at an Indy Ireland match, quite often I'll be saying, look, they're a mile offside. Mm. They're a mile offside. And it's e it's easy again to go back to the All Blacks and say, look, they're offside, ref, they're offside and something. They say, well, look, have a look at your own side as well. So, yeah. And Ireland's game plan is based around a lot of the defence. And that was that was a lot of Joe's worry against the Japan match because they weren't allowed to defend as stringently as they had. So I think they'll get away with that. They'll be able to use their, use their, uh, use their rush defence against New Zealand effectively. But I think that come breakdown or turnover time, they may slightly pay the price. And I think that's where Josh van der Fleer is essential for this match. Yeah. And I think that there was some talk that, you know, would they not go with, if maybe they're playing South Africa, they might go with Stander at seven, uh, no, stand at uh, uh, Peter Amani at seven, which they may well have. But I think the key is to get somebody to the breakdown the same time as New Zealand do, because yeah. New Zealand don't tend, they'll commit more to the ruck time than, say, South Africa or Japan will. Japan were committing nobody. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's why they'll be beaten by South Africa. Because yeah. as much okay. as you would love for them to win that game, South Africa will just commit more numbers and blow them away in the counter-racking, you know. But yeah. You think South Africa learned more lessons yeah. from the Ireland game than Scotland yeah. did, which yeah. was known? Well, exactly. Yeah. And I think if we even saw that Scotland game you saw in the second half, had they had, had the Scottish not given away the... The try on the 39th minute and the one on the on the what the 42nd yeah, minute. Yeah, straight they away. They take those two away and play it smart, meaning put the ball into the corners. Your bigger forwards because they actually trucked over for for three tries pretty easily. Pretty easily, uh, it was just the Japanese caught them on the hop. Um, Japan won't get away with that against South Africa. So South Africa will just bully them, you know. And it's it's not good for rugby because the Japanese have been the ones that have set the set the standards yeah. for how you play the game in the future, but. I can't see Japan winning that. And also the fact is, look, let's face it, they've given everything to win the pool match. They've had to field their strongest side just about every match. And apart from the adrenaline working in your favour, the expectation, it also drains you. So mm. they're going to be tired come South Africa. You yeah, know, South Africa will be fresh. We just want it to be somewhat of yeah, a match, I attrition. suppose. And yeah. if it rains or whatever, that's even going to be that's even going to be less of a, of a, a advantage to Japan. You know, but uh, but uh, I'd love that for to be the result, but. I don't think it will yeah. be. We'll talk about, I suppose, next week, uh, maybe how they can build on this and make sure mm. it's not just a one-off. Like uh, they built from the last World Cup fairly successfully, so hopefully they can continue it. And look, you never know, we could be talking about Well, they're the best team, way. I tell you this now, but they're the best team at ha having adjusted to the new tackle laws out there in the world, anywhere in the world. And I, yeah. mean, I mean, take out all the teams, including New Zealand, including Ireland. The Japanese have got it right. They've hardly been penalised for a high tackle. They cut players down low. The next guy isn't on the ball. That's the way it should be played. What we've seen from a lot of the island teams, Tonga, you know, Samoa, even Australia, these teams that are still tackling in on the ball, uh, Bundyaki style, they're getting pinged for it. Mm. And it was unfortunate for Aki, but it was a red card. And, you know, you've got to pay the price. And, and again, I, I knew that he wouldn't be available because then that wouldn't have been fair if he was to the other players that had been red carded, you know, Definitely, it's it's a it's real. It's like it's an upset. It, it, two things can be true. It could be you could be very like upset for Bundyaki and like yeah, especially absolutely. he would have been playing New Zealand. Absolutely. and it was like it's very unlucky for it to happen, but it has to happen. Absolutely. And I've actually seen. I was surprised actually after Saturday at how little complaining there has been from Ireland. I think there is. I think there's an an understanding now. Yeah. 
that we've reached a critical mass here and we like a critical point that we like we need to eliminate this from the game completely and Absolutely. if some people are harshly treated then that's just the way it is that's the way and of course we all felt for Bundyak he's a great team man he's a sort of heart and soul when you see him celebrating the players all like him they like him around I was heartbroken for the guy coming off the field you could see the tears yeah. you could see what he was thinking that the Samoans are like any island is such emotional beautiful people and I say that you know in a sporting sense physical on the field yes off the field genteel and kind and all those attribute family people and you could just tell it destroyed them but at the end of the day the game is there for the protection of players and when a player gets hit on the head a tackle whether it's whether it's intentional or not intentional the onus has to be on the protection of the player and you've got to give out cards and you've got to give out suspension it's no good your defense being but he's a good guy people saying that oh you know let let Bundy off he's a good fella you know he didn't intend to it we know that but I mean the rules are the rules and it's funny how you know even with Gregor Townsend coming out when the cancellation was going to affect Ireland rules are rules and Mm. then suddenly 24 hour turns around and and suddenly it's 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 not the rules of the rules anymore but when it comes to the head injury the one thing I'd like to 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 see changed on that is I can't understand the for the foresight or the lack of foresight in the sense that if a player is a victim if a player is a victim of a red card tackle then that player should be sent off for an HIA immediately because Owen Farrell was knocked around a couple of games ago with two or three red card or yellow card tackles he missed and four penalties exactly. or converted kicks Ex- absolutely absolutely for Owen Farrell like. absolutely yeah. and that's what I saw yeah. he's he's not right yeah. And he's the type of player, because he's old school, comes from his father, his father was old school, tough man, he's not going to admit to, to, to getting an HIA in case, in case he fails it. And that needs to be outlawed. So, so any player that is the victim of a, of a red card hit, which, which dictates that the tackle has gone to the head and it's dangerous, should be sent away. Now, you can bring on a replacement, mm. which the red card can't, so there's no advantage. But he said, look, you've been victim of this tackle. You need to go away and have a test. It just I, follows you know, on. It just makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't make it sense that it's not doesn't. the case. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, we'll come back a little bit, just really, really briefly at the end to, to an Ireland-New Zealand prediction. Um, but the other two games, Australia, who's, England. Who's playing again? England, Australia. <laughs> France, uh, France, and Wales, right? So Wales, are, like France, uh, feels like feels like we haven't seen them in months, you know. No. <laughs> uh, no. But like, have they? Here's what I was thinking. I wonder if you agree. Wales are like the worst team for them to play because yeah. it's Gatland coached. It's a team, a team at the end of the road who yeah. have been building towards. It's so structured, so yeah. defensive that they need this kind yeah. of a mad game to break out, and it's not going to happen against Wales, no. is it? No, I tend to agree. I don't think we've seen anything. From, in, fact, in fact, what we've seen from France is how the hell did they beat Argentina in the, in, in the first game? Because yeah. they've just been so... Now, you never know. when you look at the team on paper, you know, when you look at these fabulous players playing in France and the speed and the ability they have and you look at them on paper and you look at pick and and the size of the affords and all, you look and think, wow, why can't you, why can't you produce something? They're badly coached. I don't think they, they, they look as they look as a French side that's actually been a French side over the last few coaches under Levermont right back to when they did actually quite well and should have beaten New Zealand that final. But they don't seem a team that enjoy playing together. I mean, wasn't that wasn't that so outrageous? That was outrageous that R- Ramos went home after the World Cup with an ankle yeah. and there was name to play in the domestic game a week later. Did I you see that? I don't even know how that's possible within the yeah. rules because, I mean, that's them just changing their squad if you want to look but at that But that's what way. I mean. Yeah. That, was that the case? Was yeah. the case was he was sent home and told to, to have an injury and be sent back or not? Yeah. I don't know. Either that or it shows you where clubs are as as opposed to country. Yeah. So clubs come back and say, you're good to play next week. You've just come back. We don't think your ankle's too much of a problem. Bang, we'll put you on the side. Now, I don't know whether he played or not. It was just... It came yeah. up on social media. Name, he was named the 15. He was named, yeah, yes, yeah. he was named the 15. So I don't think, I, I, going back to it, I don't, yes, I think Wales, Wales haven't been overly impressive uh, until they needed to be. And that was against Australia. So, I mean, they've limped along a bit. They were they had a, a really poor last showing, but, you know, I think they'll, they'll win that one. Australia, England, that's sort of simmering away nicely, a bit like Ireland, uh, New Zealand, because mm. Australia have nothing to lose. They're a good World Cup side. Again, they have good players on paper. Michael Checker is just 
not getting the best out of those players. But again, they would like nothing better than to beat England. Yeah. Nothing better. You know, for the Aussies that are over there and that, they'll be up for this one. They'll say, look, you know, you don't expect us to win this. We don't even probably. But hey, yeah. when you put Australians are the most competitive sports people in the world, you put something in front of them to go after. And, you know, as proved in Perth last year against the All Blacks or whatever in the Super Series, they get a few of their playmakers starting to play well. Beal and O'Connor and these guys come mm. to the fore. They're world-class players in their day. Guinea, Beal... Yeah. You know, Pocock, Hooper. These guys, a couple of years ago, you'd have had in the World 15. I mean, Pocock would have been probably your, your, your apex of loose forward trios. Hooper wouldn't have been far away as seven. They lack a bit of a tight five, but they found a scrum. You know, England aren't as... You know, you get the indication that everything's rosy in the camp and they've had a great holiday and a few beers and it's fun and it's rising sun and Eddie Jones is all this and that. Even Michael Jack has said, wow, they better win, mate, you know, <laughs> after all this, you know. Uh, yeah, even Eddie Jones having having time to be talking about the Scotland situation was oh, yeah. to me is like, geez, where's your head? Like you wouldn't hear, you know, you, I can't imagine the other coaches doing that. You made a really really interesting point there that Australia a good World Cup team. It's so true. You would expect no matter what chaos they're in. There's certain yeah. teams that you'd expect, right? They could turn well, around. So France, by the France, way. France, I was going to say, they yeah. are too. But how, like, again, we're going back to kind of psychologically talking about Ireland knowing they can beat New Zealand. Like, how much is it that New Zealand or that Australia will absolutely, every man on that mm. team will think, we're, we'll absolutely beat England. Mm. You know, even if they're not talented enough, that has to mean a lot going into it this game. It means everything. Yeah. It means everything. The only thing is, the only thing that I fear for Ireland, the only thing I fear for Ireland is, is will will New Zealand be up for this match more so than in other matches? And my fear is they will be. You know, so when you're talking about the Australians coming at everything, it is unacceptable for New Zealand to go out at the quarterfinal stage. Absolutely nationally yeah. unacceptable. Crisis. Crisis. Yeah. Richie McCaw talks about them having to bring in a sports psychologist after 2007 loss. They were shell-shocked. I mean, um, uh, they were abused when they came back to New Zealand. I shouldn't laugh. John Hart went to a race meeting there and was abused. They had bottles thrown at him or something. And, yeah. you know, that was just the country was in revolt. Yeah. You know, now it won't be the same because Steve Hansen deserves more respect than that. But, you know, he'll go down as, as, as the, certainly the greatest uh, all-black coach. So he, he, he's due that respect. But it's a game that New Zealand can't lose. And when you step New Zealand out of that comfort zone, you put them up against a team that people start saying, hold on, you guys could go out of quarterfinal. This is different for New Zealand, by the way, in playing a final against England and losing. That's different. Hold your head up high, you got to yeah. another final, you lost can't the match. Win them all. This is yeah. this is going out against a side that has never got past the quarterfinal and you've only once been stopped at the quarterfinal. So so the odds don't stack up in Ireland's favour, but psychologically they stack up in Ireland's favour because you, you you can guarantee that Ireland are going to be so propped up for this match, it's going to be the kitchen sink and more thrown at New Zealand. And if New Zealand are off the pace 20 minutes and they're a bit rusty, man, suddenly Ireland get in there and get a couple of tries, the doubt starts coming into New Zealand, Moanga and that, that are used to playing free and wild, and mm. you know suddenly they're shut down, suddenly they get frustrated because... I was watching the, the, the feedback coming in from New Zealand, and he is the type of player, and that's why I would have liked them to talk to Ronan Gar. <laughs> he is a risk taker. And when you take risks in rugby, it can go either way. You can suddenly be the, 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 the master general running a back line that scores five or six tries and, and everything is rosy. You can also be guilty of throwing the intercept pass that costs you the World Cup quarterfinal or throwing a risky, risky pass, because he will throw them. He will throw them. And Joe will know that. Joe, yeah. no, you put him into a situation where he's uncomfortable. He's just as likely to throw the ball over the back of his head to somebody. Now, New Zealand just as likely to counterattack from that and score a try too. <laughs> yeah. But he is there is there is a balance to play. Bowden Barrett's not so much a risk taker. Yeah. He became quite lateral in his play, I suppose, the last couple of years, trying to use his speed out wide. That's where but he's dangerous from the back because he's kind of just given a free rein to to counterattack. So Ireland need to be spot on with their kicking again. But yeah, I mean, prediction-wise, <laughs> it's uh, it's a hard one to call. I, you don't never like sitting on the fence, but I think it's either going to be a tight win for Ireland 
or a 15 or 20 point win by New Zealand. That's that makes sense. That's, it doesn't make sense. No, it's literally what I said on our on the previous show on the, on, on the build up uh, that we're, I was talking about Steve Ferris. I was like, Ireland are plus 12 with the bookies. And I'm thinking, I'll have that. But what I'm also going to do is because yeah. it's, it's either going to be that close yeah. game. And then I'm also going to back, I, I think it was New Zealand between 21 and 30 yeah. um, as a yeah. different, you know, with a smaller bet. And you're thinking, you know, I feel like it's going to be one yeah. of those two. I think no, they, they right. could get the, the, the kind of the way France hit us in those quarterfinals, where you know in two thousand three, where they could just get those two or three early tries, and Ireland spend the rest of the game with a kind of a no. Then you look, go looking for uh, no. respectability and getting a couple of late. Well, tries, you don't you play. Know? You don't play. The games have been tighter than you think because if you go back to Chicago, at one stage when Ireland got off to that flyer. At one stage, had New Zealand not made a couple of fatal errors, one to let them get down on that field where uh, Jamie Hizzup, they end up manufacturing that try. That was the turnaround because at one stage you had a feeling, I was turning to people beside me and say, you know what, Ireland are going to lose this game yet. You know, because you certainly don't want to go chasing Mm. New Zealand. No. You get ahead of them and you stay ahead of them and you keep the scoreboard ticking away. There's no way that Johnny Sexton gets a kickable penalty this week and is not told, take your three points. There's no way they're going to the corner, you know, yeah. because you keep you keep building the scores against New Zealand. Suddenly you're two scores ahead, you know, and, and then it's the New Zealanders that have to come looking for the game. And yeah. then they start to panic because they're not used to having to play catch-up rugby. Yeah. They're not used to it. That's what they did against South Africa. They held yeah. them off for 20 minutes. They got the quick scores yeah. and, and then they protected, then just shut the, up protected the lead for the rest Absolutely. of the game. Absolutely, shut up yeah. shop. So That's it didn't the matter. worst case scenario. And they let South Africa get, and they play, and then they play, and I talked about it before, then they, Steve Henson very much plays in blocks of time, as does Jamie Joseph, actually, and New Zealand coaches are like that. So what I mean by that is that is they take 10-minute or 15-minute segment, whatever the block of time is, and they say, okay, right, we've just scored. Next 10 minutes, we just focus on on scoring again or not letting them score. Another 10 minutes pass, because there's such a psychological barrier, even with Scotland last week, if teams can get to 70 minutes and still be ahead at 70 minutes, suddenly something happens. The team think they can hold on, that are leading, and the team that, that is chasing the game suddenly think, we're running out of time. Mm. And if you're two scores ahead, as Japan were going into that last 10 minutes, every one minute seems like about 20. Yeah. Because suddenly suddenly you haven't scored a try, suddenly it ticks on to 74 minutes. Then you start thinking, by the time you score a try, get the conversion, get back to half time. Mm. that's another two or three God minutes. God forbid there's a scrum that takes yeah, three minutes. Exactly. Or, yeah. We're running out of time. So those blocks of time become very important. Uh, Ireland have to watch that because Joe will know that New Zealand like to try to score any points just before half-time, just after half-time, those two blocks are important to them. Uh, but Joe will know that because he's a New Zealand coach himself. So he'll be playing those <laughs> blocks too to say, we need to score in those periods of time. Yeah, uh, It'll be fascinating. I, I can't wait. It's been very long since I've actually been really dying for the weekend to come for, yeah. for, for all the matches. Yeah, Because it's, 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 it's where I'm so jealous of people being over there. And, uh, <laughs> man. I'd love to be there, but uh, those guys, those games are going to be epic. The New Zealand game will be epic. The only thing, again, working against Ireland slightly is you're not going to have you're not going to have fifty thousand, forty five thousand uh, uh, Irish people there and five thousand New Zealanders. It's going oh, to yeah. be split down the middle because the Japanese love New Zealand rugby. You know they've had a long association with All Blacks going over there and playing over there. Um, they like the Southern Hemisphere style of play. Uh, they're on chip packets and Bowden Barrett, and you see Karen Reed on potato crisp packets and that. So, the neutral Japanese will be supporting New Zealand. There'll still be, there'll still be ten or fifteen thousand Irish supporters there clambering for tickets because they probably got the wrong game. <laughs> um, so you've got to take away the home advantage, mm. and that's huge for Ireland. Yeah, because they haven't beaten apart from Chicago. No, they've struggled to beat New Zealand away. When it's and you say well there was Chicago but I yeah, Chicago was a one-off kind of played in a completely different environment you know yeah yeah uh, not know. not exactly World Cup uh, intensity look, in the venue and the the situation and the build up to it um, I think look taking Ireland New Zealand aside uh, you know taking that out of it even as a Irish person or a New Zealander you know this is the best rugby weekend. <laughs> that there is yeah. we get it every four years or we have yeah. everything the on Olympics. the line 
everything on the line it's yeah. the pinnacle of the game and everybody there's no arson about here this is knockout and there's four games yeah. so this is as good as it gets like yeah no, it's as good as it gets yeah. and i mean even even the world cup has started well in ireland it started now it didn't we haven't heard much about it because of the timings and the matches because they're on the mornings people are saying oh yeah i'll go off to work and i take the match or whatever it came alight last weekend with Japan's win, so suddenly it came alive in Japan. It came alive over here as well because suddenly the two names coming out of the hat was three quarters away through that. After uh, Japan scored that game, people turned to me and said, "Oh my God, we're playing New Zealand!" Yeah. yeah, and that's when it changed for me. And it's been like that all week. Taxi drivers just coming down here now, and a taxi driver wound down. As, uh, he said, how are we going to get on? I said, well, what's we? <laughs> I said, we will win. He said, but yeah, what we what? I said, I'm just saying, we will win. <laughs> and he said, ah, oh, you sneaky rat, you know, because I, I can't lose in that regard. You know, I'd be happy for New Zealand to win. I'd be equally happy for Ireland to win. Yeah. Um, and and I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's often good in sport for, for the spoils to be shared. Um, but then again, I know for, coming from being born in New Zealand and playing rugby there that it's a country's identity too that you're playing with. You know, mm. you're playing against all of New Zealand next week. You're not just playing with the 15. You're playing with the culture, the Maoridom, the, the 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 country, which is known for its rugby more than anything. Um, so that's what Ireland's task is, you know. Yeah, that's no, <laughs> for the dreams of a country. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Well, look, you know, I think I think uh, the Irish people will will take that that burden. I think for for four years, and we look, we might get killed for four for for the next. Uh, and you know, every what? time we ever play New Zealand, I'm saying again. this, and I, I wouldn't say it, I wouldn't say it uh, 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 all over the years about New Zealanders. But if New Zealand lose, if Ireland beat New Zealand. They will, they will treat the Irish one with respect because the yeah. half of them are expecting it. Half of mm. them are expecting it. A few years ago, they weren't expecting it. So they would have been, oh, my God. How Ireland could we lose just, to these? Yeah, how yeah. could we lose to Ireland? Now they're saying, okay. And they would be the first to turn around and congratulate the Irish if that's the way because they would say, you deserved it. You know, you beat us fair and square and that's it. So there'd be no cribbing because, you know, people I've been talking to all week, including ex-All Blacks and, and friends of mine, they said... You know, we're worried about this one. You know, it's the one team that we didn't want uh, to to play this early. Mm. Uh, we thought that we we would avoid them. They'd go down the South African route, and we would go on. Now we've got to play them. They have the hex over us the last few games, and we're worried. Yeah. Well, there but, you go. It's I I I can't I can't remember a game I've looked forward to more no. as you said yourself. Can't wait for the weekend. Enjoy the game. Oh well, I'm and, nervous. Yeah. Never get that way. I. Last week in the Japan game, I turned to my mates and said, I'm actually sitting here <laughs> so nervous for the Japanese. I'm so nervous. And yeah. I'm like, oh, God, hang on to the ball. You know, I'd love to do, I'd love, just think on the way, they should do one of the, the goggle boxes for sport. Yeah. And they should, people, because you end up screaming at that, you know, when Japan scored that try after halftime, like I'm on my feet and I'm like, animated now that's what sport does to you and 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 so but i'll be animated this week absolutely absolutely uh, brent thanks so much we'll talk to you we'll talk to you next week talk to you next week This podcast is brought to you by Balls of the E in association with Carry Out Off Licence, Ireland's number one independent off licence.